Hello and welcome to The Final Whistle. I'm Steve Forbes. And I'm Kenzie Benali. Well, it was a game of limited chances, shall we say. Kenzie at Villa Park as Southampton run out 1-0 losers away to Aston Villa tonight. Now here to discuss all the stuff from the game, we have Premier League reporter Paul Belverston and former Southampton captain Dean Hammond. Um, Paul, we'll come to you first. Uh, general thoughts? wasn't great, was it? It was it was difficult to watch. It didn't, never really clicked. Um, there was a lot of sloppy passing in there. Again, sort of punished for a for a for a mistake or 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 maybe two or three in there. And um, you know, I think it's one of those where when you do completely transform a squad in one summer with a dozen players leaving, a dozen coming in. Of course, there are going to be difficult moments. Things aren't going to be seamless when there's such a big transition in the, in players in and out and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's just, it's just so confusing watching a performance like that though, when you've seen everyone play so well and work together as a team and in particularly the recent home games, I know it's very different when you go away from home, but yeah, frustrating night and uh, yeah, difficult to watch and, and pick much out of it really. Yeah, Dean, do you feel the same? As Paul mentioned, there are um, quite a number of new faces and, and different players to who we saw in the opening game of the season against Spurs. And we're only, what, six match days in now? Yes, yeah, definitely. Sometimes it, things can, can take time. Um, and I think the performance tonight just um, was evident of that. I think it was just a poor, poor Premier League game, really, from both teams. I don't think anyone really, I don't think Aston Villa or Southampton really deserved to win the game. Um, there was a lack of quality probably from from both sides. Um, and just, I thought Southampton lacked a little bit of energy tonight, if I'm honest. Um, and we're just, like Paul mentioned, just a little bit sloppy and couldn't quite get themselves um, going in terms of possession. It felt a little bit um, hesitant, um, a little bit negative at times. I think there was chances to play forward a little bit quicker and a little bit earlier and and players just kind of hesitated and end up playing um, backwards. Not many chances created. But also, if you if you break it down and look at it, if Aston Villa don't score just before um, the end of the first half, you could say Southampton would be reasonably happy going into half-time at 0-0, where they frustrated Aston Villa. And then maybe can come out in the second half, um, make some substitution, make some changes, which we've seen... Ralph do early on in the season to, to try and change the game. And that looked potentially like it was the game plan to try and frustrate Aston Villa um, and then come on strong later in the game. But that didn't happen either with the, even the substitutions didn't really make the impact. And I mentioned it before the game, I think Southampton lacked a deep line midfield player, just kind of net it all to knit it all together tonight to, to get that first pass off, to play that forward pass, to get a, the creative players on the half turn to be able to get the ball wide, to allow to get the fullbacks higher up the pitch. It seemed as though the distances between the players were too big. So that there wasn't any chance for any combination um, or creative play in, in Aston Villa's half. So I think a night of frustration and disappointment, really, because it's a I think that's two games in a row now, really, where Southampton shouldn't have lost. Um, probably haven't deserved to win either against Wolves and tonight but shouldn't have lost. And that's probably two points dropped over the two games where, and I think that will be the disappointment. 
Well, before we talk about the game in a bit more detail, here's how it panned out, courtesy of BBC Radio Solent. As the lights dim, we'll now pay its respects with a minute's silence in memory of Queen Elizabeth II. Coutinho looks for help, but he's spun away from Ward-Prowse. He fires it just over the bar. That's as close as Villa have come. Ramsey didn't get there, but Ramsey rescued it. Ashley Young drifts the ball into the penalty area over everyone. Coutinho at the back post, and it's saved by Bazunu, who's first of the night. Coutinho crosses again. Bazunu save off the crossbar, and then Ramsey scores on the follow-up. Smashes it in off the roof. Off the underside of the crossbar and in as Louise takes his corner from the left, curls it right under the crossbar and it gets tipped over that bar by Gavin Bazunu. It's a difficult angle, Ward-Prowse goes back post and he's headed down, oh and it's cleared away by Villa. Can Saints rescue this? 92nd minute and up is Bazunu with still three minutes to go. Buendia clears it, the charge is on, the goalkeeper Bazunu's rushing back, Villa are going to try and score and it's a howler. I think Danny Ings has had a shocker. I think this will be it. Whistle to his mouth. That is it. Saints put out of their misery at Villa Park. This was such a happy hunting ground for them. And the two visits in 2022 have been completely miserable. All right, well, let's uh, try and pick apart the match in a bit more detail now. Belvers, for 40 minutes, the game was pretty even, wasn't it? Uh, then Jacob Ramsey gave Villa the lead. They really took the game then to Southampton for a few minutes and, and they were under the cosh, the Saints, towards the end of that first half. Yeah, hadn't really been troubled before that. And then it was that blooming Philippe Coutinho who just had a a, a few minutes, didn't he? And he, um, he, had a, he spun James Ward-Prowse and... And shot just over the bar and then um he sort of uh he found himself free at the back post had a header that uh Bazunu saved that led to the corner that well the second corner that uh that then caused the goal and uh in that build-up that's sort of one of the mistakes I was referring to Musa Gianepo who's been playing at as a fullback for uh a fair chunk of this season he just I don't know he just switched off he let Coutinho drift around the back and uh, one sort of positive was seeing another positive of uh, Bella Kochap. He really berated Gianepo for that. And when you think he's only 20 years old, he's only played five or six games, taking on a, a more senior player like that, pointing out, come on, that's not good enough. That was um, that was good to see. Ultimately, seconds later, they were behind. I um, you know feel for the goalkeeper because he I imagine his initial reaction was, oh, I've, I've done well there. I've got a good hand on that. But if he'd got a lesser contact, the ball probably would have gone over the bar. Instead, it it just ballooned up, hit the bar. And then uh, it was a bit of a scramble. Saints couldn't clear properly and, and, and Ramsey slotted it in. I've got to be honest, I thought when I saw that he was in an offside position initially, I would big grin, happy days, VR, we'll, uh, we'll rule this out. But one of the intricacies of the... The offside law, we've we've talked about it many times that it's not uh, as straightforward as it perhaps was in the past. And um, and in fairness to VAR, they they made their decision very quickly for once. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear Ralph Hasnutl complain a bit about that. But, um, you know, ultimately, from 
what the uh, the officials seem to be saying and everything. It um, that it was right to stand. And you're right, they uh, Villa then pushed on ahead of half time. Coutinho again. You 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 feared in first half injury time that he might just ping that free kick into the top corner. Thankfully, he didn't. But having had the chance to to get everyone together in in half time, nothing really kicked on from there. Unfortunately, so. Yeah, they. Uh, it was a disappointing end to the first half, and things didn't get much better in the second. Dean, what would you think would have been said in the Southampton dressing room at half time? Because Villa didn't really create too much up until that final five minutes of the first period. Well, I think up until the final five minutes, Steve, I think the manager would have been reasonably pleased um, because coming in nil nil would have been looked like it was the the game plan and the mentality from from the players. Um, just to frustrate Aston Villa. But then I think that would have turned to frustration, just like Paul touched on there, a lack of concentration, some individual errors led to a goal that didn't need to happen, really. Um, you know, Gineppo, um switching off. I actually think Belicocha can actually be a little bit more aggressive and win the header. Um, I, I think he, he needs to do that, to be honest. Um, and then they just don't react to the, the second phase of the goal. Um but then at half time you you switch to the fact that okay what can we do better what can what can we try and do to get back in the game and try and win this game which Southampton have been very good at this season that's been one of the the positive they've reacted very well to to disappointment and been able to work their way back into the game so it would have been be braver in possession move the ball a little bit quicker um move for each other off the ball i think we saw that at times the players are actually winning um, and demanding it off each other to move for each other, and it just it just didn't quite click tonight for for some reason. That the, like I say, the combinations um, weren't there, but just a little bit more urgency and a bit more energy from from the players because I really think if Southampton could have performed anywhere near what they have done this season, um, they could have won the game tonight and. It would have been disappointment at halftime that Southampton didn't really create much, hadn't had many shots on goal. And then towards the end of the game, again, second half, didn't really take the game to, to Aston Villa, who were not at their best either. So disappointment and frustration, but then just trying to get the players to do a little bit more for each other um, and collectively, I think, would have been the message at halftime. Uh, Belvis, Dean saying there that something didn't quite click tonight. Uh, Ralph tried five changes in the second half, but no clear-cut opportunities. Specifically, what didn't quite click in the final third for Southampton this evening? I think Dean sort of said it in his first answer that, you know, take a step back from that final third. It was in the middle of the park that things really didn't click for Southampton. I think there was a lot of sloppy passing. They always seemed to be just a, a little bit too short or a little bit too wide. They, you know, the the passing wasn't crisp and snappy and into players' strides for them to, to run onto. James Ward-Prowse had an unusually poor game by his very high standards. I, uh, you know, I think the the pessimist in me says it's it's a worry that, you know, Saints are, seem so reliant already on an 18-year-old midfielder in Romeo Lavia who's not played in the division before, but that's the situation we seem to be in. It would be, um, an ideal situation would be to have Romeo and Romeo as your options in the number six role. But, but of course, Oriol was allowed to, to go back to Spain on, on deadline day for emotional reasons, as uh, more than anything else, by all accounts. But um, it didn't really work with 
the captain and and Joe Rebo in the in the in the center of the park there. And if if you're not grabbing control of the middle of the park, you're not going to be able to get the ball into your your front players and allow them to create stuff. There did seem to be a a huge lack of creativity. And when the, the flair players came off off the bench or the creative players as well, they still weren't really getting the ball in positions where they could do much about hurting Aston Villa. So it's it's just an off day, hopefully. It's not a you know not a sign of things to come because you know, they, again, we've 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 said it already that there have been plenty of other much better performances from these very same players already this season. I think we've just got to get used to a bit of inconsistency and and accept that because the average age of this this squad is is so low. These players, all young players, are going to struggle with performing at their very highest level week in week out. But it, as well as the young players. It, Certainly not just pointing the finger at the, the the teenagers and the twenty year olds because there were some more experienced players there who again had off nights. I've mentioned Prousey, Shay Adams, Adam Armstrong. You know there were they just never got to grips with the game. Um, so yeah, there's hopefully this is one that we can just say okay, move on, forget that. Let's um, let's not ever worry about a trip to Villa Park again, at least for another year. <laughs> Because the last two have been horrible. <laughs> Dean, what did you make of the changes that Ralph made? Because we got comments on social media before the game about how good the bench looked, but those players that did come on found it tricky to actually break Villa down. <clears throat> they did, and it, basically, what just um, Paul just said there, there was just um, it just didn't quite click tonight. Um, and I, I agree; I think it's a one-off. It's definitely a one-off because the players that have proved already this season that they're very, very capable and have performed to to a high level so it was it was the manager changed shape a little bit went kind of a, a more traditional 4-3-3 um and then went to a 4-4-2 almost um through that that second after to try and change something um change the the personnel Arebo coming on um Larius at left back actually did okay had a couple of moments where he drove forward with the ball and looked reasonably exciting and that looks like that's one of his qualities from from left back, um, Stuart Armstrong came on, tried to to make things happen. But Stuart's brilliant when he's got players close to him and around him, and he can he can have those uh, those passes, those quick passes, one and two part two touch passes, um, combine with people. And it just seemed as though it almost seemed as though it's strange thing to say the pitch was too big. Everyone was spread out. They they weren't playing with each other. Every player seemed a little bit isolated, and that happened with the players coming on. Um, Mario, when he was up front, was isolated. So when he held the ball up, he didn't have people running past him. So it was very easy for, for Aston Villa to, to defend tonight. They could just stay in their slots, stay in their position. They weren't moved around. Um, so I, it was difficult for the players coming onto the pitch to to really make an impact or, or change it, really. Um, and it was quite comfortable for Aston Villa um, towards, towards the end, which is unfortunate. But it's a one-off and this will happen. Um, just that inconsistency from, from such a young team. But you'll learn from this. Um, I'm sure they'll react to it um, and look forward to, to the next game. 
Absolutely. And, and they'll have some time to wait for that next game because it is indeed an international break up next, which of course gives us the opportunity to reflect on the season so far. Belve is seven games gone, seven points on the board. How do you assess that opening part of the season for Southampton? Well, I think they um, certainly you could you could sort of put a, a little line after the first 150 minutes of the season, if you like, something like that, when the the system was three at the back, heavy defeat at Tottenham, very poor first hour against Leeds, and then reverted to the more traditional Ralph Hasenoodle formation of, of four at the back and uh, perhaps a tweak on his on his most favoured 4-2-2-2. Two, 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 and things suddenly looked an awful lot brighter. And and there have been many, many positives. We've mentioned many times already this evening about the 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 potential and the talent, the quality, the the, the way so many of these young players have, have started the new signings, the fact that it is exciting looking at the squad, looking at the the different options that are there and uh, and and considering and thinking about what might be coming as the as they get more settled in and more used to playing together. I think after the high of Chelsea, I made the mistake of looking at the next three games of Wolves, Aston Villa and and Everton thinking that looks a very nice little run of games. And, uh, and, you know, perhaps we could, we could see Southampton pushing up high. I think realistically after such changes in the squad, a point a game isn't the, uh, the biggest disaster by, by any means. Southampton have had far worse starts than seven points from seven games in, in recent and many Premier League seasons of the past. So, you know, they're, um, there's absolutely no reason to, to to panic or worry too much. I think there's an awful lot of learning to be done as far as, you know, how these players are best going to gel together. Mistakes are going to be made, but you'd like to think that as the season goes on, they will become less frequent. At the moment, they seem to be getting punished for those mistakes. Um, and perhaps there are, you know, there are one or two things that the manager has to improve on and, and work on as well. And again, that's only going to come with more time with these players, learning about the players and, uh, and, and, and coming up with ideas of how to get more chances in games, because, you know, there was only the one shot on target, I think tonight, and that, that was never going to go across the line, let alone trouble the goalkeeper the header from Sekumara. So, you know, there's, um, there's a lot to do, but there, there's, there's still a lot of reason to be optimistic about this season and can, especially when you consider only a month ago the club was being written off there were all sorts of horrible stories out there about what a a, a doom-laden nine months we had in store at St Mary's so uh, things look an awful lot brighter than they might have done of course it's uh, it, it all feels a bit low at the moment after after that miserable game but you know I think we're going to have many more highlights this season far more they'll outweigh the uh the performances and the um the the spectacles that we had this evening yeah that is a very good point because although it has been a couple of frustrating results out of the seven games so far there is a lot of positives to take from that dean but what are you looking forward to from the next bunch of games before we go into that world cup break if you take away the game tonight, Steve, to continue the form i think the performances have been really really impressive and the way the players have have responded um, when they have gone a goal down um, and played that exciting attacking football to, to try and win games. So 
continue that really because I think that that theme um, and that approach is the best for Southampton um, and it's the, it's the Southampton we enjoy watching and the fixtures coming up I think there's eight fixtures seven or eight fixtures now before we have the break before the World Cup um, the next game against Everton is really really important and um, a game that you think Southampton can definitely win that game they really really can um, and then you've got games against Man City West Ham um, Bournemouth, Arsenal, Palace, Newcastle, Liverpool. So fixtures that you get really excited about as a player, as a fan, um, and I'm sure the players will now. They get a couple of weeks break with you know the international break coming up, some time for the manager to work with players that are not on international duty in terms of physical condition. Um, you, you know, having the chance to sit down and talk to players and um, and demonstrate and explain to them exactly what he wants from them. You know, the new players that have come in. And show them this is what we expect at Southampton. This is the way we play and embed them a little bit more. So that will be a good thing. But I think Bells is right. We're about right, Steve. You know, seven points from seven games. Um, you could say we maybe would expect two more points from the last two games. But did we expect to beat Chelsea? No. And, and what a brilliant performance that was. So we have to take the, the positives from that. And I think this will still be a very, very good season. A frustrating night, but it's going to happen with such a young team. But when they're at it and they're on it, they're really good to watch. And I'm looking forward to that in the next um, seven or eight fixtures before the break. Well, let's hear from Ralph Hasenhutl now. Here's what the Saints boss had to say after the game. Yeah, I think uh, we didn't see a good game today um, from both teams. But we had one winner and this was not us. And uh, this served not us because for... Winning a game, you must create more. And in the moment, we we don't create enough. We don't play a good football in the moment. And uh, against a physically strong side like we have played today, um, you have to find solutions. And today we tried a lot, but nothing really worked. Why was it tough to create opportunities? Because the opponent was uh, very aggressive defending. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, on from both sides uh, tough to play tonight. I think uh, it was a very uh, yeah, aggressive game with with uh, less time to do something with the ball. Uh, both teams uh, didn't find solutions, uh, especially in the final third. And then it looks like it looked today. Let's before we say farewell, look ahead to that Everton game. Then shall we, Belvis? What are your early thoughts on that one? I think where. This season is very, very positive as well. I think I think there's a there's a real sort of feeling of of positivity around home games at St Mary's as well, which there perhaps hasn't been very regularly over the past probably five years, really. When you think you know we've had a, a long period in the middle of that where fans simply weren't allowed to come into stadiums, but you know the last twenty minutes against Leeds, fantastic. The 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 way they caused Man United so many problems and were unlucky to come away with that game and nothing. And then that Chelsea game, fantastic fight back, wonderful result. You know, the, I, I think you you want your fans to be really relishing, really looking forward to, to going to the home ground. The atmosphere in the first three games has been tremendous. There've been wonderful performances all over the park, but particularly as a team together, they've, they've really seemed to click at home in this, you know, short sort of uh, uh, only only three game span sort of thing but you know you couldn't ask for a great deal more after like I said after the first hour or so against Leeds it's it's been 
it looks really promising at home. And the next game is at home against Everton and Everton team that will be coming there under pressure, regardless of what happens. Um, they, they are playing this weekend, aren't they? That's not one of the games that's been called off. Um, so, you know, Frank Lampard is a manager there that's still trying to find his way at that club. They've got a lot of players who are... And there's an awful lot of pressure on Everton because they're they're building this fantastic new stadium and they and and they seem to be last season they only just escaped relegation at the at, at the uh, at the end of the season they're they're in trouble again at the start of this season there there are an awful lot of question marks and pressure hanging over that club at the moment and i think uh, an electric start again at st mary's and you know all of today's disappointment will be forgotten in an instant there'll be just a lot of optimism a lot of positivity a lot of noise as well and a lot to be excited about on the pitch against Everton. Dean, Paul talks about the pressure against Everton. They are down in 17th, winless before this weekend's fixtures and are one of the lowest scoring teams in the division as well. So will Southampton be relishing that that match? I think so, Steve. You know, Everton are a big club, a big name, but they've had problems and challenges over, well, especially last season and at the beginning of this season. They're not scoring many goals. They're not a huge threat. Um, even though they still do have quality within the group. Um, but there's an expectation on Everton. So Southampton, play with that intensity, play with that belief at, at home. Um, they've put some brilliant performances at home. Bring that energy back to the performance. Start very, very fast. Get the crowd on side. Get St Mary's noisy like it has been. Um, and, and take Everton on, you know, and, and play with that that freedom that we love to see and that that energy and that pace and that that bravery um, that can really cause Everton some problems because defensively Everton are okay, um, but attacking-wise, not a huge threat. So you can afford to be a little bit braver. You can afford to try and play in that half and press them and put them under pressure. Um, so looking forward to that, and that would be my approach towards towards Everton. Well, Dean Belvers, always a joy to have you with us on the show. Thanks ever so much for your company. Have a wonderful couple of weeks. And thank you for joining us, as always, here on Saints Live. As we've mentioned, we'll be back on the 1st of October when we take on Everton at St Mary's Stadium. That's a three o'clock kickoff. So we'll be live from 1.45. Join us then. See you later. <laughs>